Welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This week on Outer Spaces, we have Zachary Beach. He is a real estate investor, a coach, and also a best-selling author, owns multiple businesses in that sector. And he has a way, it's called creative financing. It's a way to finance deals. I know because when it comes to you know, getting into real estate, it can be a little bit crazy, right? It seems really daunting and big. And what if I lose money? And holy moly, I don't know what I'm doing, especially the first few deals. That's how I felt at least. But these guys here have figured that out. You can get involved with their community, their masterminds, their coaching, and you don't have to feel like you're alone trying to figure this all out on your own. Plus they have a bunch of, and we talked deeply about this on the podcast, of different three different deals flows that are creative that require very little money out of pocket, but they can get you into real estate quicker than you can even imagine. So anyway, uh, take a listen here. There's going to be a lot of great information. Take notes as you go and see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, I hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we're passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow, and through my 25 years of dirt under the nails experience, I look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, and today's guest went from a bartender to a real estate expert, coach, and three-time best-selling author, uh, books like Real Estate on Your Terms and New Rules for Real Estate Investing, and Sell with Authority for Real Estate Investors. He's a CEO, a smart real estate coach, a uh, also a partner in multiple seven-figure businesses, and a co-host of Smart real estate coach, and not just a transaction podcast. So without any further ado, Zachary Beach, welcome to the show. Josh, oh, I'm happy to be here, my man. I'm glad uh, I'm glad we were able to set some time aside and dive in. Uh, we'll, we'll have some fun today. Absolutely. Dude, I already love your energy. This is going to be good. <laughs> so <laughs> I love to hear a little bit about your story. I love to hear about how you got into real estate, how you went from being a bartender to uh, you know a real estate expert and how you you got into all this craziness, man. Take us for the ride. Yeah, yeah. I, I won't. I won't go all the way back, but we'll start. Uh, so I was. Uh, I like to always say I was a um, a rich, uh, poor kid growing up in a rich town. So I always had like that chip on my shoulder, uh, and that's been consistently my mindset forever. So I'm sure a lot of my paradigms will come out throughout this throughout this mm. podcast as well. Um, so I was one of those kids that the only reason why I went off to college is because my teachers told me I couldn't. Um, so what we, what I ended up doing is going to school with really no particular direction. Uh, so when I got out of college, I became a bartender and then I needed some more extra cash and I had some additional time. So I said, all right, let's become a personal trainer. Uh, so I was doing that, uh, for about four years. And as you can imagine, I was burning the candle at both ends. I was Mm -hmm. staying up really late at night and then I was waking up super early in the morning. Um, and I was doing that for about four years. And, and there was a moment in time where me and my wife, she also was a bartender at the time, you know, had this epiphany. It was like 430. And we were just exhausted. I, I didn't see my family in like probably four years because every time they were on vacation, I was working because uh, that's just mm. how it worked as being a bartender. So we just had this epiphany. We just said, hey, we want something different in life. So we got to figure out how to make that next move. 
Uh, so I actually approached her father, who's my father-in-law, um, and I knew that he was revamping his real estate investment business. He got crushed in 2008, um, lost basically everything. Uh, so he now was, he now had this new business model with creative financing, which is what we do today. Uh, so I approached him and said, I don't know if I'm going to like real estate investing, but it's going to be a heck of a lot better than what I'm doing right now. Uh, so at that time, we ended up, uh, it took me about uh, maybe 30 now about 90 days of just doing some of the grind work in real estate investing before I went ahead and kind of burned the bridges, uh, made the leap. And it still even took me another 60 days in order to get my first deal. Um, but we, uh, we, we created a, a bridge per se in order to get us to, to real estate investing and, you know, things have, um, kind of transpired ever since. Dude, I love that. I love it, dude. And especially coming out of the, like, uh, you won't make it in college. You're like, watch me. (laughs) It's uh, I love that dude. So I know that I I speak to a lot of business owners around the country quite consistently. And the number one thing that they wish they had was how can I create cash flow? How can I create uh, a business or an entity that pays me when I'm sleeping? Right. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's the goal, right? That's the dream. Cause most of us in this industry work way too hard and oftentimes for way too little money. Right. So at the end of the, you know, end of the month, there's just not enough money to make it or end of the year. You're like, I thought I made a lot and really found out that you didn't. So, you know, imagine not having to go week to week, project by project, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Imagine if, if you could actually set up a kind of a system where you could start saving money. That's one of the first things I tell people is like, what if you just took 10, 15, 20% uh, of your revenue throughout the, you know, the net revenue at the end, at the, at the end of each month and put it away and start building a nut. So you can finally have something to start investing, whether it's in the market or whether it's in real estate or whether it's in something that's not related to your business. Cause the ultimate goal with wealth is to be making money when you're sleeping, right? That's the target. So I'd mm-hmm. love to hear about how you, uh, got, you mentioned how you got started out, but like what the first deal looked like, how do you help people. I know you've written multiple books and all this kind of, how do you coach people? So how do you get people to do their first deal? How do you get them started on this path to cash flow and financial freedom? Well, that's a great question, right? I know you and I were speaking offline and we we're like, what's the biggest challenge? And that's getting started, yeah. um, especially in real estate investing, because it's, you know, people would consider it competitive. Um, but I think what we're going to share here today is some of the secrets that most people either are ignorant to or choosing not to learn, which is creative financing, because you can either go off and, and and do exactly what everybody in HGTV is doing. And the reason why there's, you know, smaller and smaller profit margins on those, because it's extremely competitive, or you can come do some of the things that we're talking about here, which is buying and buying real estate through creative means or non-traditional means. Um, and really that comes in the form of a couple of different ways. One would be lease options, which are just really to be able to control a piece of asset or an asset without ownership. So really easy to go ahead and acquire an asset that way. Or uh, two, buying them on owner financing. So having a seller become your bank. It's roughly a third of the properties in the United States are debt free. And then we then we have this last technique, which is probably the most misunderstood technique, uh, but everybody's just starting to hear about it, which is buying properties subject to the existing loan, which is you being able to acquire a property without you ever going to get a new loan on that property because we're just going to keep the original seller's loan. Um, me being a bartender, I, if I didn't have creative financing, I never would have been able to get started. And here's why. Because I was not bankable. I didn't have much money in the bank. Um, and I was going to be unqualified for actually, I was even unqualified to go buy my own personal residence. And I had to do it through creative financing at that time. So, 
Um, the way in which we kind of look at our rules are no banks, no personally guaranteeing debt, and no large down payments. Um, and by looking through that filter, you then become very creative at buying real estate. You become very creative at solving people's problems. So me being the person that didn't have a lot of money, I was the one that was going to devote my time to this. So when I first got started in real estate investing, I was the one that was uh, pulling lists, making phone calls directly to those sellers, working my scripts, and then generating my own appointments. And then my own appointments, I would then see the properties and then make offers on the house. So I would consistently do that. And I did that specifically for about two years where all I did, all I was the one that just did the phone calls, did the appointments and made the offers for our family business. And eventually we ended up doing, you know, four to six, uh, four to 10 deals per month with a small team. Nice. But so when I give advice to somebody, it's like, how do I just get started? Well, really, there's two things. One is you got to, you got to, you got to really go ahead and acquire the knowledge. Because once you have the knowledge, and I don't mean like the procrastination nods, like I'm going to learn everything before I do something. No, you just have to know enough in order to have a conversation. And then once you know enough to have a conversation, now you take your first step. Most people don't get started because of four things. One is they don't have enough support. Two is they believe they don't have enough experience. Uh, the other one, uh, three, is that they don't believe they have enough time. And the fourth is they don't believe they have enough money. Well, through creative financing, we can actually eliminate a lot of that. Um, a lot of that. Um, so when you first get started, it's just about acquiring enough knowledge and then going to put some of this in action. Because all real estate investing is, and this is where it was very helpful for me to know, is all real estate investing is, is a communication game. It's just a people game. It's a relationship game. It actually has nothing to do with the asset itself. We just happen to, in real estate investing, utilize a house as our commodity and then make money from it, uh, which then, of course, could lead into how we actually make money in this business uh, and how to be able to save money in this business. And that is through our, our trademark three payday system. Because we're doing things through creative, we can now sell creatively as well, which is where we're going to get large lump sums, cash flow, and then build wealth in these deals. Again, with, uh, with little to no money in the, in the deal and with a risk averse method, especially in today's market, with a risk averse method, because I haven't gone to a bank and I haven't personally guaranteed any of the debt. I love that, dude. I love it. And I know when I first started in real estate, it was um, my wife and I had a little cottage on the lake and we were looking to get a bigger house because we wanted to start a family. And I was like, we'll sell it. Put the money toward the house. He's like, what if we rented it out? And I'm thinking, that's really cool. I'd be the first landlord in my family. This would be really neat. We have mm -hmm. passive cash flow. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. Then the tenants come along and the headaches <laughs> yep. come with them and then the toilets break sure. and then they don't pay and then they do pay. And then they, they just kind of check out and they just go and they don't tell you that they're leaving the house and then they break shit. And it's like, it was a constant headache. And for 15 years, Zach, I did that. And there's so many times I wanted to sell that place. And I'm like, honey, sorry, we're putting that thing on the market. I am not dealing with finding another tenant and having them destroy the place. It's just not happening. Right. <laughs> I, I hated it, dude. I got a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Once I cleared all my debt and everything, I was like, I, I had a couple hundred bucks at the end of the year and I'm like a month. And I'm like, this is insane. So anyway, uh, we had a, a good friend of ours reach out and said, Hey, I've, I've, I met this guy that is someone who we all know. And he's, you know, he's, he's actively starting to buy real estate in this area. Are you interested in getting in? I was like, hell no, I got one. It's, it's like <laughs> a crazy kid that just doesn't listen. Like, it's just not worth it. Anyway, she says to me, this is what changed it for me. She goes, but keep in mind that they actually have a, a management company and that management yeah. company manages everything. 
you buy the asset, they manage the asset. And I'm thinking, all right, so if you're telling me like we could buy buildings and they would take over everything from cleaning to client relations to repainting, reflooring, all that stuff, and we just have to own the asset. And I'm like, okay, how many can I buy? <laughs> right. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. we're in. And it was bumpy as hell, dude, because I didn't have a lot of experience except for all the pain I had for 15 years with the other house. So it took a lot of rewiring and everything. And eventually, was able to, and through mentorship, I had an awesome mentor throughout this, you sure. know, like you said, get somebody that knows what they're doing and just tie into them and start learning and brain, sorry, drain their brain dry. And mm. that's what we did. And then within nine months, our acquisitions set us up a year later to be financially free. And it's something I didn't know anything about. So what I'm saying to the listeners out there is, is I didn't grow up in real estate. That wasn't, it was brand new for me. And the next thing you know, because of mentorship and because of taking the problems out of the way, the obstacles out of the way, this became a passive vehicle for us to give us the, and take us to the next level. So I, anyone out there that's considering this, listen to what Zachary's saying. He's going to give you some creative ideas in order to be able to finance this stuff if you don't have a big nut sitting on the side. Yeah, Josh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because we've I've talked about this with one of my mentors and he said, it's interesting how we're taught in school. In school, if you go and you collaborate with your teammates unless you're assigned to a team, if you go and collaborate with some of the students in your in your group, or if you ask or pay somebody to do your homework or to uh, take a test for you, then it's cheating. Yes. But as soon as you become an entrepreneur, you actually get rewarded for that yes. because it's literally the, the secret to advancing more quickly. Yes. And that is to join groups of people that have been there ahead of time or to hire somebody that's already been there. So that way they can give you the knowledge and you avoid all of the mistakes that they made originally. And yes. that comes to the form of mentorship, coaching, masterminds. And if you if you look at even the, the greatest CEOs out there. So there's this book called Trillion Dollar Coach. And it's about the coach who mentored um, uh, like the CEO of Google and a couple other major tech companies. So once I read that book, I was sold because I was like, well, Anytime I want to master something, I'm just going to go find somebody that's already did it. Yes. So that way, at least I can fast forward the amount of years that it's going yeah. to take for me in order to get to mastery, as long as I'm willing to commit, put my blinders on, um, and then go right for it. So, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more because anytime I want to accomplish something, I, I go ahead and I find a mentor, a coach, or a mastermind. And usually that comes in the form of any type of Thing I'm trying to accomplish. This could be fitness. Mm. That's the reason why most people that actually have personal trainers are going to be more successful than if they try to do it on their own. 100%. Um, just, just that example, it's because of the accountability. It's because of the knowledge. It's because you don't have to think anymore. You just go ahead and do what they tell you to do. Uh, so I just want to hit on that point. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And I saw a quote once, which I thought nailed it. It says, you should be investing more in yourself than on yourself. So in mm. yourself, your mind, your mind growth, right? Then on yourself and clothes and doodads and bullshit around you, right? Because when you do that and you make yourself a priority, your growth a priority, you then get the opportunity to see things from different perspectives. You get the opportunity to work with different coaches, different people. You know, it's incredible. I have coaches in every single asset of my company or my company, sorry, every single part of my life, right? Mm. They, they're, I have coaches just about everywhere. And the reason why is because if you can compress decades into days, why wouldn't you? Somebody that took 50 years to learn what they're going to teach you in a couple of months. Why would you wait an entire lifetime to learn that, dude? Why wouldn't you want to learn it now? Why wouldn't you just say, look, it's going to cost me some money, but it's going to cost me a hell of a lot more if I do nothing. It's crazy. It's an investment. It's not a cost. 
hey, my man, I I think we're speaking the same language because, but the truth is, it's hard if you, I always look through the the perspective of of somebody because people that join our community, either they're coming from one of two different perspectives. One is that they've invested in coaching, especially because everybody is a coach nowadays, right? You do like one deal and you're a coach. They've invested in coaching and not have not been able to see the results that they hope to see. And usually that comes through lack of support right, uh, or lack of commitment. Uh, or the other one is uh, that they never invested in coaches before. Yep. Uh, so with those two perspectives, it becomes very hard for someone to think of that as an investment because they have not been able to get the returns on their investment uh, that you hope to share with them. Um, but once you start to see those returns from investing yourself, then you start going, all right, where else can I invest yes, <laughs> in myself? Yes, yes. What other program can I join? What other mastermind can I do? Because you see the results in the return on your investment is every time I've been able to make major strides in my life are when I either have a coach or I'm consistently uh, focused on mastering a very specific uh, thing in my life. Dude, I couldn't agree with you more. And there's something else listeners out there that I've realized during my journey is there's times when, and I don't mean this in any egotistical way, please don't take it that way. When I look around me and I see that my circle that I'm hanging out with are either at the same level or, you know, on journey wise or below where I am behind me. And if you don't Mm. surround yourself with people that scare you, that you're like, holy crap, like I want to be like them, but I am like the dumbest person in the room. And and (laughs) if you don't do that consistently, you're going to get stuck. And I've had times in my life where I got stuck and then I look around and I'm like, I love all you guys. You're awesome. But I need to go into a different room where I now feel like a kindergartner again and to look up and say, okay, where am I going to go? And it's not for the money. It's because I love this, the, the, the thrill of learning. I want to say, how far can I go, dude? If God gives us so much time on this planet, how far can I go? Let's see, right? We don't know until we go. So let's let's just see where it goes. So to be thinking, okay, who am I surrounding myself with? Are they where they I where I want to go? And if not, how do I get around those people? You're not you, you got to love your family for who they are. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, who are you spending time with beyond that? Are you sitting in masterminds with people who are saying things that you're looking up? You're on Google while they're talking, trying to figure out what the hell mm. that's <laughs> happened to me recently with a couple of different deal structures, and they're talking through stuff, and I'm like, I'm Googling, I'm like, what does this even mean? Like I'm the dumbest guy yeah. in the room right now, and I'm going through, it and I'm like, but you know what the crazy part is, Zach? In like four or five months from now, those words are going to be flowing off my tongue. I'm going to understand what they are, but I it's just because I'm willing to be the dumbest one in the room. And that's when you start to really grow, when you're willing to humble yourself down and throw that damn ego out and focus on trying to get into those spaces because that's when the stuff, I mean, there's so many times I've been so uncomfortable because of that exact situation that I, every single cell of my body wanted to run out of the room. And I'm like, no, just stay in here. And then a year later, you look back, you're like, dude, I eat that stuff for breakfast now. The stuff that used to scare me because <laughs> you stuck, you kept coming back. It's incredible. Oh yeah. It's a commitment though. That's it the is. biggest thing. This whole thing's a commitment. Everybody, there's a sexiness about, especially like real estate investing or investing period. But there's a there's a major commitment to understanding and then consistently putting in action. So if I if we look at like KPIs, like consistently, um, it takes a lot more no's than it does a yes in order mm-hmm. to get the investment. It definitely does in my space uh, when you're getting people to sell you a piece of real estate with little to no money down without you personally guaranteeing debt, without you going to a bank, there's going to be a lot more no's. So that's where the consistency and the commitment to um, this craft ends up putting you far above everyone else because now you can look at, like you said, you can look at things differently. If anybody presents me a real estate deal, I can look at it completely different 
than somebody that's a rookie in this now. And I, I have very specific questions that you can ask in order to now determine one of two things. And, and typically we want to look for both, which is what's the motivation of the seller? And then what are the financials on the property? Yeah. I know that some of the toughest questions that people face are are those two segments, which are the two things that we need the most in order to determine what type of structure we need. Because everybody's like, well, why? I can't ask people questions. People aren't going to tell me anything. Or why would somebody actually tell me about the finances on their property? It's all about solving people's problems. Once we go in with a doctor mentality, which took me a long time to figure out, a doctor mentality where you're trying to prescribe mm. a solution. Now you're now you're in, now it's almost like you're doing them a disservice if you don't ask those questions. Uh, so that way you can solve people's problems. I love that, dude. You know the, the problem that we run into when we go into new situations is that, and I know from the fact that I've dealt with this, uh, you know, this for a long time, this, this mind construct, you know, being afraid of being rejected, right? So we have a bigger fear of being rejected. You know, that's why no is a problem. Cause then they're like, no, they're not saying no to you, Zach, or no to me, like you're a horrible person. They're just saying no to a deal, but we take it personally. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're so afraid of that, that rejection that we don't even do it. We come up with all kinds of excuses like, oh, they probably won't say yes. And why would I even do that anyway? Or I'm not comfortable doing that. The reason why is because you're trying to protect your ego from rejection. That's really what it is. And if you just put that to the side and say, look, this is an offer. They can say yes or no to it. It doesn't affect the kind of man that I am or what my offer even is. It's just that that's their reaction to it. And I can't control their reactions. All I can do is offer, control my offer or control my ideas or at least start working as a collaboration. But when you realize that the rejection is typically what holds people back. That's why they become very, uh, you know, slow to make decisions and very indecisive and all that because they just don't want to face the fact that somebody might tell them no. Well, and the 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 interesting part of what you bring up is that no is when the conversation actually begins. Exactly. Especially when somebody's being introduced to a new concept. So in creative financing, it's it's more of an education than it is like a salesmanship. Because really. The world of the population has, especially in the United States, has been trained a very particular way on how real estate is done, right? We're even trained since we were young. It's like, go to school, get a good job, save up enough money, then go buy a house that you're going to live in for the next 30 years, and then you're going to pay off the mortgage, and now you're debt free. It's like that concept. And how you find a house is you go find your local realtor, which most likely is probably your friend or a friend of the family, and they're going to show you around, and then eventually they're going to help you buy the house. And then if you want to sell a house, you're going to do the exact same thing. It actually has, no, it has nothing to do with the qualifications of the actual realtor, and I know there's lots of good ones out there. But there's no qualification. It's like, who do I know that's a realtor? And I'm going to have them come and list my house. Uh, and then I'm going to sell that way. So from a, a real estate investor's perspective, now we have to completely educate the end consumer. So it's like when I'm going to buy a piece of real estate, I have to now explain how creative financing works. And I bring them through a seven-step basically education process to then get them to, number one, understand the concept, then be open to the concept, and now we can use that concept in order to solve their problem. But so we, we go through those steps. So when somebody tells me no, and yes, I used to take it as an, a huge ego hit, but now it's an opportunity. Mm. It's like, all right, now the seller has put his foot down. He now is able to, he or she is now able to say no. And now usually once they put the wall up, now they're open to having a conversation because it's like, all right, I said no, I got that out of the way because usually it comes based out of fear. New yep. concept, it's either they're afraid or don't understand. Mm -hmm. If they're afraid or don't understand, they automatically say no. 
So now when somebody says, no, it's great. Um, Mr. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Seller totally get it. Um, 99% of the people I buy from want a traditional sale. So, you know, that's, it's normal. Can you tell me what I just spoke about? What part of that doesn't work for you? Now what we're doing is we're just going to start uncovering the key, the actual objection that they have. I don't understand it. Or uh, they have a misconception of the situation. Now you have to, now you get to move forward and handle the misconception. So it's all just an education process. And going through the no's is actually, I, I tell our real estate investors to get to the no as quickly as possible because now we can have a conversation. Dude, yeah, you knocked it out of the park there. And I love how you frame that question because when I hear no, oftentimes it's like, all right, well, I guess that's it. I just got my tail between the legs or I'm going to try to yeah. justify the hell out of the reason why I asked. You didn't do that. You first did empathy. I totally understand. It sounds crazy. Most people want traditional financing. But if you wouldn't mind me asking, what about my offer didn't you like? You know, to that, he didn't say it exactly, but to that frame, right? So you first acknowledge that you understand their feelings and then you ask them a direct question and you ask permission first, right? And by doing that, clients like, or anybody's like, well, yeah, I mean, the problem is I just don't like the structure. The terms are too short, too long, whatever. I want more money down. You're like, okay, sounds like we're getting somewhere. Right. But yeah, if you see exactly. now, no, we, start no, down. we have a focus now. Great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So we're looking to your point. We're looking for no as fast as possible. And then we can finally so, have a constructive conversation. But first empathy. Right. That's what we teach in sales. It's always empathy. First, Mrs. Mm. Jones, I totally understand this. That sounds crazy. I know it sounds like a lot of money. But if you had to pick your top three priorities for this project, what would they be? Mm. Right. Curiosity, your detective, upward tonality, question. And she has, she's like, well, it seems pretty safe. I'll answer. And off she goes. Because that's because you're really guiding. You mentioned earlier, right? You're not trying to you know, take control of anybody. You're trying to help them. We're trying to guide them. This is supposed to be a win-win. Let's try to figure out where the, the objection's at. And let's figure out how to adjust and go. So, Yeah. I love so it. Well, talking talking salesman to salesman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, and I hope the listeners are getting the, the yeah. normality of what we're talking about here. Because this works everywhere. You know, oftentimes mm -hmm. as guys, we want to get in there and just kind of get to the point quick. Like, dude, you want to buy it or not? Here's my terms. Yeah. Here's my page. Buy it or not? Like, that's 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 what they're they're taught on TV shows to be this stoic individual that just says, "Here's what it is." Pounds their fist and shit happens. Like, that's not how the world works, yeah. right? We have humans. We're dealing human to human here. Men or women doesn't matter. So by doing empathy first, and then asking permission, and then asking the question again, you know, simple enough, you will get to a, a conclusion, and you're going to have the opportunity for that client to learn something too. So that's, it's so important. Well, it's because, and this is, this is important to hit on. And that is, it's, it's not the yeses and nos that keep you up at night. It's the maybes or yeah. the, I, what have, what could I have done differently? So being able to engage or encouraging you to go ahead and engage in furthering the conversation, you're never going to be kept up at night because it's okay if it's a no. Yeah. If you look at our business, so our business uh, for when it comes to our profits, it's somewhere on average, it's like $45,000 to like $250,000, all three paydays on our deals and mm -hmm. you know, roughly a, a five-year span, uh, for example. So how many of those yeses do you actually need in order to create a, uh, you know, a great lifestyle yeah. and consistently do that? So when, it's okay if it's a no. Because most of the time it's not necessarily a full no. It's a no, not right now. And it's then you mm -hmm. ask for permission to go ahead and, and follow up with them later. But really, you're just trying to eliminate the maybes. It's it's like, just go ahead and what we always encourage people to do is like, ask just one more question. It's like right when you're at the, the peak where you feel as though you asked every question, just ask one more. 
because then you just never know where that's going to lead to. But most importantly, you as a real estate investor, you know where to bucket the lead. It's like, all right, it's a yes. I'm moving forward with an offer. It's a no. I'm going to move them to a follow up. But the maybes, you're like, now you're following up with them like every seven days or three days or 20 days. You don't really know where they stand because you're still trying to figure out what their problem is. So we got to find a way to, to make them take a fork in the road. And usually that's just through asking more questions through curiosity. Exactly. hundred percent leading them with great questions, guiding them through a process. All that is so important. And you know, the, the, you're right. The maybes are the ones that keep us up at night. They're like, maybe did I say the wrong thing? If I just call mm-hmm. them one more time, or maybe when the, the moon is full and, and it's, uh, it's three <laughs> o'clock on an afternoon, I can actually, it'll be perfect. And like all the stars will align for this, you know, and it's no different when you're selling projects or you're doing any service work, anything like that. It's when you're dealing with people, you have that potential for yes, no, or maybe, and trying to eliminate the maybe certainly makes the entire relationship both sides more pleasant right so no is not your enemy no is your friend it's the first opening of the door so just keep that in mind guys out there it's a super powerful uh, little snippet there now what i'd love to do uh, zach is to go deeper and you mentioned there's three options in your creative you know it's probably more than that but three options you focus on for creative um getting money creatively for these deals mm. you mentioned lease option and owner financing and then also taking over the note so if you wouldn't mind i'd love for you to go a little deeper into each one of those and how it could you know a first time real estate investor they found a deal they found a place that like this looks like it's going to be good it's it's well within our our um you know range of costs like this looks like it's going to be a good deal and i know in the beginning you don't always know if you have a mentor they can certainly help sure. you you read books do all that stuff the first ones are going to be bumpy dude they're just going to be bumpy because mm. you don't know what the hell you're doing it's just like when you started walking you fell against stuff like that happens, right? So how do you hedge your bets so you don't have as much uh, risk in the game? And also, how do you do this if you don't have a whole lot of money sitting on the side of, the, in, uh, you know, the, to, to play this game, but want to get into it as well? So could you walk us through those three and how they could start us out? Yeah, no, it's a, I'd be happy to. So within those three options, there can be many ways in which you can uh, maneuver. And if you know, you just even go on our YouTube channel. Um, we have we do a, a deal structure Sunday every single Sunday for like the past four years. So there's what, so what many different. YouTube? What is that YouTube yeah, channel? Just, if you just go to smartrealestatecoach.com forward slash YouTube, uh, you go. It's called Deal Structure Sundays, and every single Sunday we share with you like where we found the lead, how we you know what the motivation was, what the financials were on the property, how we structured it, how we exited the deal. And then the projected paydays on every single deal. As you start to go through more and more deals, you start to realize that nothing fits inside a box. So I'm going to give you guys basically a box, but know that I could always ask you another question as a real estate investor, and you might look at it slightly differently, each one of those deals. So um, so like a lease option would be probably uh, the first step I would go if I was a brand new real estate investor, had zero real estate experience. And the reason why is because on a lease option, or we call it a lease purchase, there's the title's not transferring. So we're not even dealing with any closing costs. Most of these deals can just be done docu-sign because it's really, uh, there's really two pieces to the agreement. It's like the lease agreement, which is stating that you're going to take over full control of it. Think of it as like a net lease. You know, you're going to take over full control of the property, including taxes, insurance, maintenance, repairs. Like you control it. And then there's the option price that you have on it. And the way we structure that is we actually lock in the seller's equity. We don't have an option price. We lock in the seller's equity, which allows us every single month if we're making a mortgage payment, we're getting the benefit of the principal pay down. So we're able to create some equity in these deals. Okay. This, this 
um, now agreement is the intent is now we're going to go sell it on rent to own. We tend to exit on rent to own or work with buyers that need time in order to qualify for loans because it allows us to do a couple of things. It allows us to now collect a non-refundable deposit, which is our payday one, which is typically three to 10% of a raised premium or raised price because our buyers need time to qualify for loans we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna raise the price because they're gonna be in the houses for say two, three, four, five years before they actually have to go exercise their option or go get another, go get a bank loan. During that time frame, we're now able to collect cash flow too because we're gonna get a higher monthly payment. So we're gonna collect the payment, we're gonna have the Delta and then we're gonna make the payments on the property. We are also gonna pass along any and all responsibilities to that end buyer as well because they're gonna be treated like and they're gonna act like homeowners. Um, so I know you were talking about earlier, like not dealing with uh, tenants. Well, that's that's a, a major reason why we structure this way is, yeah, the deals may be shorter in theory as far as the time frame for when we uh, buy the property when we sell it. But we also don't have to worry about any type of management because we're placing all of the uh, management basically on the tenant who's going to become a homeowner. So they're going to treat the house like it's their own. Uh, so we eliminate all of that. So a lease purchase is really simple. Seller stays on title. You get control of the property. Now you have the ability to go ahead and sell it. That's really all it is. And you just have to exercise that agreement before, um, before your end date with the seller. And your buyer agreement is before yours. Uh, so that way the, the buyer cashes you out, you pay off the seller, goes through traditional sales. So just think of it as like a delayed cash close. Got it. Okay. Um, so that's why it's really easy uh, for somebody to step into that as a brand new investor is because it's really easy to have that conversation with a seller because you know these deals are little to no money down on them. So you don't have to worry about having capital on the side. You also don't have to worry about closing costs and you're also gonna have a buyer in your hand before you actually go and take it over. We have those contingency agreements in place. Uh, so you have you know three to 10% down in your pocket before you even place a buyer in the house. That's how you create cash out of, you know, just based on a contract. Um, and then you can also cash flow it. But having a conversation with a seller is the seller's not as worried because the seller still remains on title. It really, if if they had to eliminate it, you'd just go through an eviction policy with you uh, instead of a foreclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the ones that are getting the tax benefit on the property throughout the time frame as well, because the uh, the taxes, you know, are, are tax benefits going to follow the deed. Got it. So okay. that's how that's how a new investor would get involved rather quickly, unless you have a mentor or you're working with somebody like us that we're buying and selling real estate with, because then we can construct these deals and walk through the process because we have the experience ahead of time. I love that you have um, that YouTube channel. Could you say it one more time? Because you can actually go on there and watch him go through these 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 deals and see all the stuff you don't normally see. The kind of the back end stuff that really will help you find deals, structure deals, and understand how to write them up and do the underwriting. So what's that YouTube? Uh, yeah, it's just smartrealestatecoach.com. Okay. Smartrealestatecoach.com forward slash YouTube. Got it. You and I both know that real estate investing is like, if you want to go create wealth, you want to take ownership on these properties. So once you've got a couple of lease options underneath your belt, it's very, uh, you're going to be very likely to start doing other types of transactions like the owner financing and sub twos mm-hmm. because you want to get in the ownership route. Yeah. So then you would just be using like the lease option as like your you know last ditch effort. It's like, oh, the seller won't do one of the other options. Let me go ahead and, well, I'll throw this other option out there and see if they do it because yeah. I'd rather get some money than no money. Um, so then we, we cross over into the ownership realm, which 
Um, owner financing is a fantastic tool in order to, to buy real estate because when you approach a seller, you're typically approaching a seller that's debt free. And as I mentioned earlier, this it's about a third of the properties in the United States have no debt on them. They have no mortgage. So that tells us um, that the seller is in a good financial standing um, because if they needed money, they would have refinanced. Right. Or they would be renting it. They'd be doing something. So they're in a good financial standing if you're approaching these sellers. So when we approach the sellers, now we're looking to close on it. So now the title is going to transfer to our company. Again, we don't personally guarantee debt. So everything goes into an LLC of ours or a trust. And then uh, we're now going to structure the loan with the seller. So best case scenario, which we've done many of these, little to no money down, 0% interest rate or principal only payments. And for the longest period of time, yeah. um, a good rule of thumb is like you can typically get 0% interest if you're going, you know, five years or less. Uh, and it's important that you do if you have a balloon payment where the, the full note is due within five years or less, because you need to pay, you need to get that principal pay down as low as possible so you can create more equity in the deal faster. Mm -hmm. And it also hedges yourself against a market if it goes down because you should see some of the deals in which we do. So like, just give an example. If you have a $1,000 principal only payment, so there's no interest in, in the loan, every year it goes down $12,000. So in, in, six, in 60 months, it's $60,000 has come off the principal balance. That's how you build an equity in these deals significantly uh, faster than you know, obviously a loan with interest. Yep. If you end up doing longer term deals, then it's very likely an interest rate's gonna be involved or not to go too deep or what we would call like a step stair ladder, which is like the first two years or 0% interest and then it moves like 2% and then three and then five and then eventually it could be like a normal, you know, say six, 7% interest rate. And we're doing these things consistently, especially in today's market, because right now sellers are looking for alternative options especially in uh, the transition market right now. And then the last one, and I would say the mis most misunderstood, even though it's a very simple transaction, is buying properties subject to the existing loan, which now you're actually approaching the opposite type of sellers. This tends to be more of a, a seller that's in a financial challenge. Okay. So when we approach sellers that uh, are open to this, they tend to be one of two things that's happening. One is they potentially could be behind on payments. So they're going to need an investor like you to catch them up, um, which, of course, if you're coming this is brand new into the deal, then it's, you may not have the money in order to catch them up. So that's where you stick to some of the other options or the seller doesn't have any equity in the deal. Um, we have a, we have bought properties from sellers where we've saved them anywhere from five to 15 percent uh, on their homes, because if they go pay a realtor closing costs, and they don't have any equity in the deal, they're coming out of pocket at the time of the sale. Yeah. Now, many sellers are, are way more likely to leave their loan in place than to pay you money, even if it's uh, even if you know that could be a safer route for them. So when we go ahead and we acquire these properties, we'll just buy it for exactly what the seller owes, we'll catch up their loans if needed. And then now two things need to happen in a deal like this if there's no equity. One is that we need to have the principal pay down over time. And then two is we need to have the market appreciate. So mm. we tend to hold on to these deals a lot longer. And then eventually there's an equity that gets built in and then we'll go ahead and sell it. Yeah. Uh, so that's really how those three, and of course there's many different other factors that come into play. But that's really how those three deal, three types of transactions pan out. 
No, I love that. And so for the 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 two ownership sides, so we have the uh, owner financing, which is kind of as it says. So you're going to work with the owner itself and say, look, most likely you don't have a lot of debt on the property. So if that's the case, can we structure some kind of a deal where I pay you instead of a bank? And we work it through and maybe it's a balloon payment at the end or whatever to pay off the difference, but it buys the, the uh, buyer essentially yourself, some time to get that deal structure in place. And then if you can get that low interest rate, that's going to help, you know, long-term put more money into the equity and not so much into the bank. Um, again, if they're open to that, it's an option. To, but if you're worried about being told no, then you'll never ask and you'll never know. Right. And the worst thing mm -hmm. they say no and say, okay, then what kind of deal? I totally get it. That might seem a little crazy. So what kind of deal structure would work best for you? If you don't mind me asking. And the next thing you know, they'll be like, well, what if we what if you just, I do have a little bit of a note left. What if you uh, take over the note and, you know, we go from there, right? So it's like, okay, there's other right. options on the table. So taking over the note. So is it as simple as, okay, if I had a $300,000 value house and I have $100,000 I owe the bank, that there's a way that you can come in as the investor or the buyer and to assume that 100,000, like bring it to your name and you kind of assume the property that way, plus obviously the, the value for the equity above. But how does that structure out? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, so we actually don't assume anything. That's why we're, we're buying it subject to the existing loan. If you right. go on the HUD statement or uh, closing docs, uh, on any traditional sale, there's actually a section over there that says subject to, and it could be liens, it could be loans. And really buying a property subject to means that we're leaving that in place and it's gonna remain attached to the seller's credit. Uh, so we're not assuming it. it's not going into our loan into our name because that would essentially mean we'd break one of our rules, which is now we're going to personally guarantee that debt because now we have to take on that loan if we're assuming it. So what we simply do is we'll structure um, a deal. There's a couple different ways in order to structure it from a paperwork standpoint, but we utilize attorneys or title companies. We'll close on it. Um, and then just that loan will remain attached to that seller's credit. Now, if there's say in that example, $200,000 in equity. Now the seller is actually going to be financing that equity uh, because we're going to close on it for 300,000. Seller is going to more than likely hold a second position on that property, or uh, you could create a new mortgage known as a wrap mortgage or uh, where it would now service the original loan as well. Uh, but we won't go, we won't get it. Maybe we'll have to come back for that. Yep. Um, but in the end, what that simply means is there's going to be a piece of the loan that's still attached to the seller. You are contractually obligated to continue to make that loan that the seller had. And then depending upon how you structure the equity in that, or um, then now you're looking at, you know, that could be a secondary loan that now you have to factor in, which could come in many different forms. That could be, that could have interest, that could have a balloon, that could be a full amortization, that could be 0% interest. That could also be just a placeholder loan where you don't pay any interest, you don't pay any monthly payments, and you actually just pay it as a lump sum when you go and cash out that property at some time in the future. So many different ways you can structure. Got it. So I guess these three options allow people to get into the game without a ton of money out of pocket. I think that's the bigger point here, right? To not say I can't get into real estate and, and get all the benefits of the passive cash flow, the, uh, you know, the, the, the appreciation, hopefully, uh, the tax benefits mm -hmm. and and all the benefits yeah. you get from real estate that are all factored in and drawn into the entire IRS code. There's no, you know, shady stuff going on here. They want us to do this. That's why they give us such incentives. So mm -hmm. this allows you to get into the game and start that process forward. Yeah, Josh, let me just give you this example. So I've been in real estate now for eight years. I've never personally guaranteed debt. I've actually never put in any of my own capital. 
Um, I've rolled in capital from other real estate deals, but never put in any of my own personal capital and never went to a bank other than my own personal residence. And this includes commercial and multifamily as well. Uh, and so just to, even just last year, we did almost, I think it was like 74 real estate transactions with students across the country. Not a single one of them did any of those things that we talked about either. So this is, yes, this is about, you can get into these deals with no real estate experience. You can get in these deals with no little to no money. But this is also for those investors that are looking to add this onto their current portfolio because they're throwing away deals. Wholesalers out there um, that it doesn't fit inside their current box. Fix and flippers out there, it doesn't fit inside their current box. Now you have other options. So this is before the brand new or the seasoned investor. It's about helping people have more tools in their tool belt. So when they're having conversation with sellers and buyers, they now have more options for somebody. So now it's more likely they're going to get more deals done or better deals, I should say. Now, is it easier for people with lower credit scores to work in your environment versus going to a bank? As the investor or as the, uh, the tenant as the buyer? As the investor. Yeah, and honestly, it doesn't matter. Um, like, right, like, again, right now I have like 800 credit score. Yeah. The bank never, there's not, I've never been asked what my credit score was because nobody's ever pulled my credit. So it doesn't matter. Like, so for example, though, my father-in-law got crushed in 2008. His credit was junk, right? But we structured deals in which nobody asked us for our credit. Now, don't get me wrong. This comes with a position. Like when you're positioning in your conversations, um, because people ask, like, why would a seller ask you for your credit? It's because we have scripts and positioning for if somebody ever did. And then you as the investor have to be okay with saying no to a deal where a seller wants you to do certain things like that. Yeah. Um, and and also, us as personally, we're not personally buying the real estate either. Our LLC is buying the real estate, so we're not personally guaranteeing any of the contracts either. Our Got LLC it. is. Got which it. again, adds another layer of protection, but also makes it extremely risk averse when it comes to, uh, especially compared to other real estate investment strategies. No, I love it. It's definitely uh, an open opportunity for others. What I was trying to get at is people that might be yeah. listening. They're thinking like, like my credit's been dinged. Banks won't give me money, whatever. Mm. Is there a way that I can get into these kind of deals in this creative way that they don't really take that into account? You know, because it's not that it's a, 100%. it could have just been a bad few months or a bad year or two, whatever, like in business that happens. How do I bounce back without being judged by the bank? Right. So I'm thinking of these structures, you correct me if I'm wrong, but your deal structures are, are much more open to flex or more flexible. I know sometimes with some of the different loans we have with banks, you know, they, they take a look, they take a look at the credit score. Yeah, of course. I as well have, you know, high sevens, low eights. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, but they, they take that to account when they bring their financing machine out. Right. So, yeah. Uh, that can be a, a bad thing for people that are in, you know, that, that dinged. hundred percent. Yeah. And the, to help, uh, help those real estate investors or, or want to be real estate investors. Um, I, we don't, we're never going to speak to a bank. So yeah. you can, whatever your credit score is, it doesn't matter. Got it. Yep. So tell me exactly what you do. If I'm an investor and I want to work with yeah. you, you know, wicked smart. So, how, how do you help me? How do we start creating deal flow? How do we start creating cash flow? Like, how does that work? Yeah, great question. So uh, our Wicked Smart community or at Smart Real Estate Coach, what we've really done is we've taken our internal family business that we originally created here in Southern New England. We took all the systems, the procedures, and we then created a, uh, a community and systems and procedures around that. Uh, so now if somebody comes and joins our community, um, 
they now get access to like one-to-one coaching, uh, masterminds, group coaching, but really it's set up to be in such a way where we almost place a coach inside their company. So that way now you have a quasi partner in order to help you do deals. So for example, while we're helping them build lead flow and really helping them uh, create uh, confidence in their communication, a coach could, they could get a lead to a certain, a certain area. And then now a certain part of the conversation, now a coach calls in, does a three-way phone call, moves that deal forward, even though say said student doesn't have the experience yet, moves that deal forward, works the deal, and then could actually help close that deal. Uh, and that deal will now go into that student's portfolio. So now they're starting to be able to benefit from it. And then we just have a rev share component of it as well. So now everyone's incentivized yeah. as coach and investor to continuously do more and more deals because we're all benefiting, we're all winning. So the student now gets access to all the experience, the knowledge, the process, the procedures, and then also, uh, but then the coach also gets access to and gets to participate in the real estate deals. Got it. No, so they're actually going to, you're going to join hands with the people, you know, you're going to join hands and, and walk them through the fire and, uh, and be, you know, in it too. So you, you benefit financially, they benefit financially. That That's how the world works, right? It's not always a one where I get all the deal and they just help me for free kind of thing. So, um, that's definitely a very powerful way to do it, especially starting out or, or getting into these more, con, uh, creative deal structures. So that's definitely very interesting. So, um, it's fun. I, I love coming on podcasting and learning new things and, and, and <laughs> hearing people that are out there killing it in a way that I've never thought of or heard of, or even taking what I've heard of and thought of and adjusting it in a way that is just unique and interesting. So thank you for that, Zachary. Um, so if people are out there listening and you're like, look, I really want, I'm getting tired of, of working my tail off here, running my business. I feel like I, there's not enough, uh, you know, there's, there's more month than money and I'm just getting mm-hmm. sick and tired of going project to project just in order to make things meet. I, I'd rather have some kind of cash flow coming in. I want to start building, uh, you know, a legacy for my family and start to, to invest in assets that are actually going to hold value or appreciate. How do they get started? Not to get started, but how do they how do they get engaged with you and, and where can they find mm-hmm. your content? Where can I start getting more information to find out what you do? Yeah, let's even do this. Let's make sure that every single person that uh, wants it uh, can get access to our uh, Amazon bestselling book. We'll actually ship it to you for free. I'll get a nice hard cover. All you got to do is go to wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Joshua. That's wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Joshua. Again, it's absolutely free. Uh, We'll ship you out a nice goodie package, but also you get access to our first Amazon bestselling book, Real Estate on Your Terms. And that book will really guide you through in more detail everything we just talked about. Plus, you'll get to hear more of uh, the founder story, my father-in-law, my story, my brother-in-law. We're all integrated in there so you can really get a connection of how we really have created systems processes in a very particular uh, trademark three-page system around this and how people around the country are are doing deals utilizing these systems. So, uh, again, that's wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Joshua. I appreciate that, Zachary. That's certainly helpful. Uh, any last thoughts or words of wisdom you have for people that are looking to get started and just haven't pulled a trigger yet? Yeah, I normally wear a shirt that says life rewards action. Um, yeah. And I've I've taken that from one of my mentors originally. And it's if the shorter the time frame we can go from actually thinking of the decision and then making the decision, the faster we're going to be rewarded from the universe uh, consistently. So I just, I've seen too many, and of course I've been through it just like everyone else, but I've seen too many of our students come to us and we're like, 
you know, I wanted to start investing in real estate five years ago or seven years ago or, you know, three years ago. And and now they're starting to see great success. And I just wish that they saw it, the success earlier because they could have if they made the decision earlier. So I would just encourage um, each and every one of you to to make make at least the first baby step. It doesn't have to be something dramatic, but make that first baby step, take that first action and you'll be rewarded for it. I love that. Thank you, Zachary. And, you know, take listeners out there, take, uh, take Zachary up on his offer with a book, get it shipped to you, take a look into it. Uh, at a worst case scenario, you might learn something, right? And I'm sure that him and his team can definitely help you on your journey. I know it's absolutely changed my life getting into real estate. And, you know, as the economy changes right now and there's flexibility happening and, and we are seeing fewer projects come into our doors for a construction side of things, you know, I'm not worried. I'm just really not worried because we have real estate as a protection. We have we have multiple ways to have stability. So I don't have to worry about if my family is going to eat. I don't have to worry about if we're going to be able to pay the mortgage. Like that's just not a worry anymore. And the reason why I say that is because it was for so many years. All these little grays in my beard came from all the years of worrying about, oh my goodness, the economy is going down. Like what's going to happen? What if people stop buying this stuff? What are we going to do? How am I going to feed my family? That kind of that was always on my mind. And now after taking, you know, usually about 20% of income from my wife and I putting it together, put it in, a, in like a little nest egg and starting to invest in real estate. Uh, that's, that was our strategy. I didn't know a lot of the stuff that uh, Zachary talked about, but he has an option where you can get in where you don't even have to have a lot of money and you can get started on building this empire. And that's the cool part. Cause you know, when you think back about it, 10, 15, 20 years from now, you look back and you're going to be like, holy crap, thank God I made that decision because now I don't have to worry about those same things I did before, right? We're growing. So um, thank you, Zachary, for coming on today and bestowing these different, fun, unique, creative ideas when it comes to real estate acquisition and learning. And, you know, the cool part about his process as well is you don't have to do it alone. You've got an entire team, masterminds, groups that you can talk to. And if you've never done deal structure before, go to his YouTube channel. You can see how it's done. And you can say, you know what? That's not that hard. I know when I first started underwriting with my partner and or at that my mentor eventually became partner and he was showing me how to underwrite deals. I'm like, it's really that easy? Why don't they teach this shit in school? Instead of calculus, yeah, right. right? The stuff you'll never use, right? So why don't they teach you how to underwrite deals in school? I mean, because this is what makes you eventually financially uh, free. And it's it's like, why wouldn't you teach that in school? But they don't, right? So anyway, thank you, Zachary, for coming on today. And everyone listening out there, thanks for uh, going through with us here. Take a look into Zachary's information, his stuff. He's got a lot of great stuff out there. And hopefully in a very short amount of time from now, you can look back and say, you know what? This is the podcast that changed everything. Now my family is is on the way to being free and we can travel more and be more, to have some more time together and to just live life on your terms. So Zachary, thank you. And everyone out there listening, see you next week. <laughs>